So I don't know about you, but I'm competitive. You may not know that about me, and, uh, and, and, and if you are like me, though, um, you, and you're competitive, there's a reason we are competitive. Um, and you want, you want to know why we're competitive? We want to win. <laughs> that's, that's why we're competitive, is, is we want to win. We, we fight to win. And competitive people, I mean, that's really what they want. They, they want to win. They're fighting to win, and, and we fight to win something. But the reality is, is, is really we are fighting for something even uh, deeper than that. Yeah, we fight to win something, but the reality is we're fighting for something. And, and for some of us, these are good things. For some, it's not so good things. And the for something is, is something deeper inside of us that we're trying to overcome or something, whatever that, may be, that might be. But, but in all of this, really there's a little bit in, a bit of competitiveness in all of us because there's a little bit of a fight in every one of us. And you're going to fight for something. So I want to ask you today, what do you fight for? What is it that you're fighting for? And what riles you up? And what is it that, that riles you up so much that you will not just resist, but you're going to persist and conquer? Because every one of us has that in us at different grades and in different situations. See, what do you fight for? What makes you fight at all costs? Like you'll give up everything to win this fight. Or maybe I should ask this question. Who do you fight for? Maybe it's not a what. Maybe it's a who. Who do you fight for? And the, re the, the qu reason this question is important for us to ask is because who you fight for will determine who or what you're going to fight against. And what you choose to fight reveals what is most important to you. And here's the hard truth in all of this. This is a difficult truth. Some of us will be able to understand this, and some of us it'll be hard to, to, to reconcile this. What is important to you and the things you fight for may not be important to God and may not be what he's fighting, he fought for and he came to fight for. See, we fight, yes. We like to win, yes. However, we may be fighting the wrong thing. We may, may be fighting the wrong fight. And we're going to talk more about that in a moment. My name is Casey, and it is such an honor and a privilege to be together with you here in the room. I, am, I take this such as a deep privilege every week to be together with you. And, and for everyone that we get to join you wherever you are online, we're so grateful to be together with you. For those of you who are new with us in the room, uh, we are so grateful to share this time together with you. And we would love to tell you how grateful we are by giving you a gift uh, after today's service. So before you leave uh, today, if you're in the room, uh, will you leave out your, that back right door to your back right um, that, and go through our lobby there. On the other side of the lobby is a welcome center and a host will be in there. Uh, see that host. That host would love to give you a gift for being with us today. Also, while you're there, if you'll let us just take less than four minutes of your time, we'd love to share four things about who we are as a church family that we believe will be meaningful and encouraging for you to know. Uh, also, if you're with us online and you're new with us, we would love to send you a gift for being with us today. They're posting a link to a connect card. Fill that form out and uh, click submit, and we'd love to send you a gift for being with us today. Now, Westside, would you help me welcome everyone that's online and let no, those that are new with us know how grateful we are to share this time? Yeah. So get out your notes. Today we continue the survey of the first century gospel of Matthew in a series we have entitled The Messiah. 
We're looking at the Gospel of Matthew and seeing how Jesus is the Messiah, and this is the big idea of the series. Jesus is the sovereign king who reveals God to us and brings us into the kingdom of God. The Messiah, Jesus of Nazareth, is, is the claim that Matthew in this Gospel is, is the Messiah. And Jesus, the Messiah, was the hope of Israel. See, the Messiah is the hope of Israel, this ancient, uh, this, this Hebrew people. Uh, it, it, was, it was prophesied in their scriptures that a deliverer, uh, God would be sent by God into I- Israel to rescue Israel from uh, all their oppression and to be their king forever. The Hebrew scriptures prophesied that the Messiah would come and fight for them and become their king forever. However, Jesus of Nazareth, when he shows up on the scene, he reveals that the Messiah is so much more than what the Jews were hoping for when they hoped for a Messiah. See, the Hebrew nation of Israel, they were ready for the Messiah to come and fight for their freedom, and they were ready to fight with the Messiah for their freedom. Because that's what was most important to this Hebrew nation. See, the Hebrew people, the Hebrews were hoping the Messiah would lead a fight to restore the kingdom to Israel. That's what Israel, these Hebrew people were hoping for. They expected that the Messiah would be sent by God for them to restore everything for them. And in this, the Messiah would come to fight for their political freedom, for their religious freedom and restore all of the kingdom, all their authority that they had in the land they had, and restore it all back to them. After all, God promised that they would be a nation. God would would make them into a people, but they had spent, but after hundreds of years without geographical borders, and they had spent hundreds of years without political power, under the authority of the Persians, the Babylonians, and now suffering under the oppressive rule of the Romans. And when they saw Jesus of Nazareth claiming to be the Messiah, this did not match their expectations of what a Messiah was coming to do and who the Messiah would be. See, Jesus of Nazareth claimed and he came that he did not come to fight for what they wanted the Messiah to fight for. Jesus of Nazareth wasn't fighting for what they wanted him to fight for. He came for a different and a more important fight, not just for Israel, but for all of humanity. See, Jesus Christ fought to save all who trust in him by bringing them into the kingdom of God. This is how Jesus Christ fought. Instead of fighting for their physical freedoms that were political and religious in nature, Jesus fought for their spiritual freedom and fought to save all people. And the way he would save all people who would trust in him as their savior because they trusted in him as their king and followed him, he would save them by bringing everyone who trusted in him into the kingdom of God under the authority of God that would protect them forever. And not just protect them forever, but would give life to them forever. He brought them into the safety of the kingdom of God. And while the, 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 see, the Gospels are so important for us, they describe for us what Jesus taught and what Jesus did. But while the, the Gospels describe what Jesus taught and what Jesus did, the Gospels are meant to show us so much more. 
See, the Gospels show us how Jesus lived for one reason, so we can follow his way of life. And today, I, I, as I remind you of this, I want us to think about how did Jesus live because how Jesus lived and how he fought and what he fought is a model to us to what we fight. And it's a model to us to how we fight. See, Jesus lived, and how Jesus lived is how we are to follow him because he's our king. And how we are to live in following him. And this is what we're going to look at today. So turn with me to Matthew chapter 3. And we're going to spend most of our time in Matthew chapter 4, but I want you to go to the end of Matthew chapter 3. Uh, we're going to start in verse 16 here in a second. Here, Jesus, we're going to look at, is about ready to begin his public ministry. But before he goes into his public ministry that we'll read about in the middle of chapter 4, G, we, we see and we get a picture in Matthew 4, 1, what Jesus fights for and the, how he fights. And in, before this, uh, we get a picture of what, Je- what Jesus goes through and, and, and what precedes this fight and what's going to show us how he won this fight. I want to see all of that today because I believe this is going to be meaningful for each and every one of us. Each and every one of us who live in this world that want to see this world changed. Can I tell you something? This is the way that we follow our king and we change the world. I can't tell you that enough. I, I can't tell you how much this is in my spirit that this is how we are to follow our king. And so I want you to listen to me today and I want you to listen to me, not because of me, I want you to listen to as we look at the scripture and navigate the scripture together to become like our king together. So Jesus is here. He's, about, he's getting baptized by John the Baptist. After he's baptized by John the Baptist, we, reckon, we see something in Matthew verse, uh, four, uh, 3, verse 16. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Now, this is key, and I, I, want, to, I want you to clearly identify the two key things here. First of all, we see that the Holy Spirit of God descended on Jesus right now at this moment. So important. And the second thing is that the voice of God was there and present in that moment. Important to recognize these two things. From this moment on, we would see Jesus walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. From this point on, he would fully rely on the Holy Spirit's power. And the word that the Father would speak to Jesus in that moment was a word of truth to Jesus. And that with Jesus, and it's a word of truth that Jesus would need to remember for the fight that he was about to enter. And that fight is what Jesus goes into next. An epic battle. A fight that would make the Rocky Saga look weak. (laughs) A fight in the wilderness to fight the temptations of Satan on behalf of a sinful humanity. And I want to say that again. Jesus entered a fight right here to fight the temptations of Satan And he did it on behalf of every one of us. He did it on our behalf. A humanity 
See, humanity has been under a curse of sin since the first humans, Adam and Eve, sinned. And that curse of sin has caused all of humanity to be born as sinners with the propensity to do what is evil. And I, I, just be, bear with me for a second. We are all sinners who are capable of evil. And because we were born sinners, we were born in opposition to God. And because we were born in opposition to God, what is the opposite of God who is good? The opposite of good is evil. So we have to recognize something right out of the gate. And some of us deal with this tension that we don't like to acknowledge that. We, without Jesus... Evil. See, in the Gospel of Matthew, we see something here, that, 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 that Jesus goes to fight something on our behalf. See, this is the curse of sin, that, that we are sinners, and, and we are capable of evil, and we are evil, and this curse of sin makes all of humanity suffer the consequences of sin, and that consequence is physical death. Every one of us must die, and it's a spiritual death. Spiritual death is this eternal separation from God who is life and who gives life forever. And while we will die, there is a resurrection that we join in Jesus when we trust him because he came back to life. He is going to resurrect us. We believe this. That's why we fear no death is because he will give us life forever. That's what it means to be in the kingdom of God. And in the gospel of Matthew, Jesus is about to take on a fight to save our dying humanity, to save dying sinners Not to save us from the consequence of physical death, but to save humanity from the spiritual death. Jesus takes up that fight. And he takes on this fight, and he takes on the fight of temptation that brought on the curse of all sin. And he takes up this fight by getting into the ring with Satan to fight the same temptations that has defeated humanity. Jesus steps into the ring to win the fight against the temptation to sin. Today, I want us to see how Jesus, the Messiah, fights this important fight because he's fighting for you. And he's not just fighting for you, he's fighting to show you how you can win this same fight that you and I face every single day. See, Jesus could not give us what he came to give us, life forever in the kingdom of God without entering this fight for us. And how Jesus fights is going to help us see how we need to fight. See, Jesus Christ uses two weapons in his fight against temptation and the darkness of evil. And these two weapons that Jesus, the Messiah, the King who saves, uses are God's Word in Scripture, God's Word, and the Holy Spirit's power. God's Word. As we have revealed in Scripture, he uses God's Word, and he uses the Holy Spirit's power. Jesus was fully human and fully divine. However, we need to recognize what that really means. Many of us knew, know that he is God incarnate, God, fully God, and fully man. But being fully God, he did not have the full uh, capacity of all the powers of God. Uh, Philippians 2 says he emptied himself, and that we, we know that God was not omnipresent. Jesus, not, we know God is omnipresent, and we know Jesus, the Son of God, was not omnipresent. He was confined to a physical body, right? He could not be everywhere at the same time. He emptied himself of that quality so he could become fully human. He was not all-knowing. He was not omniscient. In Luke 2, 52, the writer of Luke says he grew in wisdom. If he were all-knowing, he would not need to grow in wisdom. He also is known that he grew in stature. He was not all-powerful. See, we are going to see how Jesus 
being fully human yet fully God, he identifies with all of us who are humans and he models for all of us who are sinful humans how we can fully rely on the Holy Spirit's power just as he fully relied on the Holy Spirit's power. See, Jesus relied on the Holy Spirit's power and he also used God's word to fight temptations. God's word is truth and it's powerful in this fight against the temptation to do what is evil. And as we read in Matthew 4, I want you to see how Jesus was empowered by the Holy Spirit and how Jesus uses God's word to defeat temptation. Chapter 4, verse 1, we read, Then Jesus, look at this, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After, look at this, after fasting 40 days, this is how big this epic battle was. For 40 days, he fasted and relied on the Holy Spirit's power. For 40 days and 40 nights, and after that, we read, he was hungry. See, Jesus fasting prepared him for this epic battle. And then we read about this epic battle. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest points of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is also written, Do not put your Lord, the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and angels came and attended here we see that Jesus won a fight against the temptations to do what is evil with the Holy Spirit's power and with God's word. Jesus did this so that he could give you the same power to defeat Satan's temptations. And I want you to see I want you today to see how Jesus Christ defeated Satan's three common core temptations to do what is evil, thus exposing Satan's evil schemes. Jesus Christ defeats these common temptations. These have been around. These are the same three temptations that Genesis shows us in in a different way. Same common temptations. And, 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 and Jesus faces these. And, and Jesus conquers these. And the reason Jesus conquers these is to expose how Satan wants to tempt you. And Jesus wants to show you how you can overcome this temptation to do what is evil. Evil. We've minimalized this. We've categorized this. Because we've misunderstood this. We reduced evil to just being a force of nature. And, and, and we've rejected the idea that evil can be present in all of us. We've forgotten that evil is a powerful being. We've forgotten that Satan and the demonic is real. Evil is real. And this is close to home and really close to some of us 
who experienced this tragedy on Valentine's Day here in Kansas City. Evil's real. And, and, we've, and, and, and it's not to see that, and we can't do something, we can't see that and say, okay, that is evil, and only categorize that as evil. See, we've ignored something while we face deeds like, of evil like that that happened this past week. We ignore something. We see that event and we say that is evil, which it is. But what also we've done is then we've ignored the evil within all of us. And the propensity to do evil that we all have. See, without Jesus Christ in our lives, without Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit's power in your life, evil is present in all of us. And that's why Jesus came to fight against the temptations that we all face every day. So we can have the power to resist the temptation to do what is evil. And I say that sincerely because Jesus in his prayer, when he would teach his disciples how to pray, he would say, deliver us from, do not lead us into temptation, but what did he say? But deliver us from evil. evil. It's not to necessarily protect us from evil happening to us. It's, it's in contradiction. So we don't become the force of evil. That's why every morning I pray with my kids and we pray this Lord's Prayer and I get to this part and I say, Father, lead us, protect us from doing, protect us and lead us to do the loving thing, which is the selfless thing that protects us from doing the evil thing. So what is evil? Well, it's my thought through my study of Scripture, and this is just me, and th- I didn't put it in your notes because I just want you to know this could be absolutely wrong. <laughs> but this is, I truly believe this enough to tell you this. I believe that evil is any time that I love someone else less than I love myself. That's when the door of evil is open. See, in other words, evil's present in every, every time I act in selfishness. Selfishness is what opens the doors to the horrors of evil, like we experienced, and some experience more closely than others. See, that's why the greatest command is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength, and to love your neighbor, Jesus says, and to love your neighbor as you love yourself. It's when we don't love our neighbor as we love ourselves, which is the demonstration of our love for God. That's when we are capable of doing evil to our neighbor. Jesus' command that he would give us right before he'd go to the cross is even greater. He would say, as I have loved you, this is how you are to love one another. And he demonstrates a high level of love for his people. That when we love all others, not just our brothers and sisters in the kingdom of God, but when we love all others in the same way he's loved us, we will not be capable of doing evil. See, every, when we are evil, when we knowingly cause others to suffer in order to satisfy our selfish desires. Every act of evil on you was someone else's act of selfishness. And so let's overview these three temptations. And let's look at these. The first fight Jesus had was with the temptation to satisfy our evil, to satisfy our physical appetites and reject God's word. 
Satan comes to Jesus, if you're the son of God, turn these stones into bread. Jesus would have had to reject God's word that he had heard earlier at the baptism. This is my son whom I'm well pleased. In order to turn these stones into bread, he would have to reject this. If you're the son of God, that's the word of truth. He would have to not trust what God said about Jesus, the son. Satan tempts you and I to reject God's word as well. See, Satan tempts us to reject God's word, and, and, and just like he temp- Satan tempted Jesus to reject God's word in order to satisfy his own selfish desires and his own appetites, his own cravings, Satan tempts us to reject God's word in order to satisfy our own desires. Just like Adam and Eve rejected God's word to satisfy their appetite to have something that God said, don't go that route, it's not what's best for you. And they did not trust God's word. And they gave in to that appetite. But Jesus defeats this temptation to satisfy his physical appetite and, de- and, and, and reject God's word. He defeats that temptation. Jesus knew that God's word reveals God's will. And God's will is what fulfills, he would say, that's what feeds me. That's what fulfills me. That's what satisfies me. And Satan will often leverage a physical desire of ours, and a craving, or, or just a natural appetite of ours to distract us from finding fulfillment in God's will for our life. And whenever we seek to satisfy a physical desire at the cost of fulfilling God's will, we sin. And whenever we seek to indulge our appetites when it defies God's word, it is sin. And when we sin, we become opposing God and are capable of evil. Next, we see Jesus defeat the temptation to seek approval. And Jesus defeats the temptation to seek approval. So the temptation to seek approval and reject God's love and God's ways. I think it's interesting that Satan's leading line in each temptation is to question the identity of Jesus. Standing at the high point where Jesus could see everyone and it would be very possible for everyone to see Jesus. All eyes would be on him. Satan says, again, if you are the son of God. Even though Jesus had clearly heard the truth that he is God's son. And he has all God, God is so well pleased with him. Yet Satan tempts Jesus again. If you were the son of God, if God really loved you, if God really loved you, if God, if you were his son, he would really want you to have all of that power and all of that authority now. He would, he would want you to have all that praise and all that glory now. If God really loved you, he would not allow you to go through the suffering. If God really loved you, he wouldn't withhold all of this from you. And when we are insecure in God's love for us, you know what it leads us to do? It leads us to seek to earn the approval and eleve- of others and elevate ourselves to have the approval of others. See, 
Satan doesn't want us to live from God's demonstration of love for us. We are tempted to do evil by seeking fame. We are tempted to do evil by seeking approval from it. We, we have to feed this need for approval. And so what we'll do is we'll do things. Ignoring God's plan. Ignoring God's purpose for our own lives and despising his timing for us. Also, just interesting in this, Satan quotes Psalm 91 in this passage of Scripture. This passage that he quotes is actually from Psalm 91, but he omits the line that says that God, will, he will guard you in all your ways. See, the, the actual line, it says, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. Isn't that interesting that he just in happenstance put down, put, took that truth of Scripture away, didn't, omitted that from what he did when he quoted Scripture. You know something that's interesting? is Satan uses Scripture to tempt Jesus, and we must be fully aware of something, that the enemy can justify any, almost any uh, craving or any, any selfish desire you have. There, there could, you, you could possibly justify it some, with some Scripture without taking it in full context. And people have done this to justify what they want. And that's why it's so important to study the Scripture to prepare yourself for Satan's lies. And because Jesus knew the Scripture, he was able to be guarded and not test God. And the Holy Spirit and God's Word guarded Jesus from this temptation to do evil by giving him the power to overcome that. And this third temptation is this, the temptation to pursue selfish ambition and reject God's will and purpose. This was a temptation to seek power and authority for selfish ambitions and reject God's will and God's purpose. Satan gave Jesus a shortcut to fake false power and fake and false authority. Satan tempted Jesus to reject God's will and purpose for him. Jesus was on earth for one purpose, to serve God's purpose, and that was to come and serve humanity by giving his life as a ransom for many. That by suffering for sinners through his willful death, he would be through, able through his resurrection to bring life to sinners. Obeying God is worship because obedience is love. And being willing to suffer is a sacrifice that is worship. And we are not to worship anyone but God and God alone and serve him only. And Satan tempted Jesus. He said, hey, if you just put yourself first, just, hey, just bow and worship me. And, and, and all of those things, I'll give you the fast pass. You, you don't have to go through the suffering to get all of that authority. And this is the temptation that we face every day to put ourselves first instead of putting God first in our life. And we put God first in our lives by putting the interest of others ahead of our own interest. And see, Jesus defeated the temptation to avoid suffering by pursuing his selfish ambitions. See, that's what our selfish ambitions do, aren't they? See, most of our selfish ambitions, you know what they are? It's so we don't suffer. And you know what happens is we cause other people to suffer in our pursuits for us not to suffer. But Jesus models a life that he chooses to suffer to relieve the suffering of the many. And Satan tempts us to ignore God's love, 
Satan tempts us to ignore God's word, ignore God's will, and ignore God's ways, and ignore God's timing. But Jesus models how we can rely on the Holy Spirit's power and, and the Holy Spirit's and power and God's word to defeat the temptations that we face every day. <laughs> See, where sinful humanity failed, Jesus Christ prevailed to make a way for a new humanity. Jesus models how we are to fight our own temptations to not trust God and, to, and then to be selfish and open the door to what could be evil. And that fight that Jesus won enabled Jesus to take on his next fight, a fight against the powers of darkness. Because he won this fight here, he was able to fight the powers of evil in our world. And look at verse 12 in chapter 4. When the Jesus had heard that John had been put in prison, he withdrew to Galilee. Leaving in Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum, which is by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali, to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah. Matthew puts us here to let you know something powerful was happened. It was a fulfillment of this prophecy when Isaiah would write, land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And then in verse 23, we read about how this light penetrates this dark world. Jesus went through Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. Jesus fought to conquer the power of temptation so he could fight the power of darkness with the light of God's truth and the Holy Spirit's power. And he does it so you and I can do the same thing. Because when our trust is in Jesus, the Holy Spirit is alive in us. And the same word of God that Jesus relied and depended upon is the same word of God that you and I can depend upon. See, by conquering the temptation to do what is evil, Jesus Christ became a light of life to those living in darkness. Darkness. It's exactly what Matthew experienced before he met Christ Jesus. Matthew, was, who is our first century author of this gospel, was a tax collector and rejected by the people because tax collectors would have been the dictionary definition of evil in that day. If they would have had a dictionary like the, like the urban dictionary for the first century Jew, and next to evil, it'd say tax collector and maybe one or two others. I'm not kidding. They, 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 they defiled them. They were the picture. See, tax collectors oppressed their people, taxing them more for their own gain and their own interest. They oppressed others, made others suffer, so they didn't have to. And in this story, Matthew includes his story, and I want to read it to you. Because Jesus defeated temptation so that the Holy Spirit of God and God's truth could transform hearts of people Hearts of sinners, like me, like you, and even Matthew. As Jesus went from there and he saw, and this is chapter 9, verse 9, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at a tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him, and Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. 
When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? And on hearing this, Jesus said, oh, I know what my purpose is. It is not the healthy who need the doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. In Matthew, the worst of all sinners, the worst of the worst, he would say, come, follow me. Because when you follow me, I will give you something that will transform your heart. You will no longer be, be like what you used to be, and you will become a new person. You will become a new humanity. Amen. And if you follow me, you're going to learn to depend upon the Holy Spirit's power and the Word of God. See, Matthew is a story of who Jesus fought for. Sinners like Matthew, sinners like me, and sinners like you. And Matthew, did you know Matthew, in, in its original name, in the original meaning of Matthew, in the original language, means gift of God. Matthew's story is one that reminds us of how Jesus fought to bring, he fought for sinners, to bring sinners into the kingdom of God, which is the greatest gift of God. See, Matthew's life is a testimony of God's gift given to sinners through Jesus Christ's fight. He fought, for, he fought every temptation that you and I as sinners and every, every sin that every human being will ever face. He fought those temptations so he could have the right and he could have the power to give to you and I to live in his victory. This is why Jesus fought. It's not so your life goes well. It's not so you don't have to suffer in life. It's not so it, it, he fought so that you can have eternal life by being a part of the kingdom of God. He did not fight for your political freedom. He did not fight for your religious freedom. He fought so you could have spiritual freedom, a freedom that is life forever in his kingdom. Jesus fought for your heart to transform your heart. He fought to transform the heart of people. This is how he wants to change the world. He wants to change the hearts of the people in this world takes a people who will trust him as their king, follow him, depend upon the Holy Spirit's power and God's word. That will be a new people who will be the light in the darkness because Jesus was a light in the darkness. And when we follow him, we will become the light in the darkness in the presence of good in the face of evil. This is how we become the new humanity. And here's a teaching big idea that I want to leave you with. See, Jesus Christ fought to transform the hearts and lives of people, the hearts and lives of sinners who trust in him as their king who saves. See, Jesus made it possible to transform our hearts. The most evil heart he can transform. The, the heart that is most opposed to God, he can still transform. And through the Holy Spirit, all of us have been transformed and we continue to be transformed and we still need to be transformed, resisting evil every day, resisting temptation every day. See, this is not just a fight that you, you are once and done with. This is a fight every day of our life. And the same Holy Spirit who empowered and led Jesus is with those who trust in Jesus as their King who saves. 
The Gospel of Matthew shows us how Jesus relied on the Holy Spirit so you can rely on the Holy Spirit's power. And the Gospel of Matthew shows us how Jesus used the Word of God so we can use the Word of God. See, we can rely on God's power and God's power to resist temptation when we face temptation. See, when we face temptation, we don't have to be defeated by it because Jesus defeated those temptations already and the Holy Spirit is there to give us the power to continue and defeat that and resist that temptation. 1 Corinthians 10, 12 says, if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you do not fall. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind and God is faithful He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can, look at that last word, two words, endure it. You know why it's endure it? Because it's going to keep coming up and you're going to have the same Holy Spirit that Jesus relied upon. And when those appetites and that need of approval or those ambitions come in and they tempt you, to defy God's word, not trust in his ways and his purpose and his will and his love for your life. And you're going to be able to resist those and endure that temptation. You're going to endure it over and over again, day after day. You're going to be able to do it because of not your power, because you can't do it in your own power, Amen. but through the Holy Spirit's power. See, Jesus models how we can rely on the power of God's spirit and the power also of God's word to defeat our temptations. The same word that Jesus Christ relied on is the same word of God we can depend upon. The same word. That's why it's been preserved for thousands of years. God wanted this for you. So every day you face temptation, you can face that temptation. And every day you face that temptation and you resist that temptation and, and, and you, you don't give in to that temptation, you, like Jesus, become a light in the dark world. Every time you resist the temptation to do evil, you become a light in the darkness of evil. Hebrews says this, for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before his, the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Therefore, look at this, this is powerful. Since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest, speaking of Jesus, who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. Yet he did not sin. That's how powerful the word of God is. It's quick and powerful. And you need it. You need the Holy Spirit and you need the word of God. See, Jesus defeated every temptation for the right to transform your life and make you a light. And every time you resist temptation, every time you resist temptation, you become brighter you stand taller in the kingdom of God, not for what the world can give you, but because of what Christ has already given you. And when you rely on the Holy Spirit's power and you rely on God's word, you become a brighter star in the darkness of our world. 
And that's what this world needs more than ever before. They need a new humanity to rise up, to, to defeat this. What Christ has already given us, we can walk in that victory. Will you walk in that victory? And that's why we need to pray. Just like Jesus led into the wilderness, fasting and through prayer, he was empowered. And we need that same power. And so today, we're going to pray for one another, and this is the prayer we're going to pray for one another. Father, help my friend rely on the Holy Spirit in your word to defeat temptation and do what is good.